Welcome to Teachings and Doctrines of the Book of Mormon podcast class. This is class number six, where we take another look at how the Book of Mormon was written for our day. In this class, we will examine a major concern that the Savior seems to have about those growing up in the latter days, that it is very difficult today to see the difference between friend and foe, wheat and tares those who would build us up and edify us, and those who will tear us down. We examine the book of Mosiah and a powerful application that it has in our lives today. We're going to entitle this class, Avoiding Noah Blindness. Back to portion number two. Remember, this is a topical approach to the Book of Mormon. Topic number one was Jesus in the Book of Mormon. What do we learn about Christ from the Book of Mormon? We could spend a lifetime there, but time won't permit us. We do need to cover some of the other topics. So last week we started topic number two, which is that the Book of Mormon was written for us. All those gold pages that Mormon was compiling. Who was the intended audience? Not the Nephites. None of them had that book. So the idea is Mormon who saw our day and knew exactly what was wrong, wrote a book to solve the problems of our day. That is one of the most unique situations of scripture I can think of. I can't think of any group of people who had a set of scriptures written for their day. Now, in one sense, we're like everyone else. We still have to have faith and repent and make covenants. So the gospel's the same. But in another sense, we face things that no other dispensation has faced. And Mormon, who saw our day, wrote a book for the challenges of our day. That's why every time I read the Book of Mormon, I ask the question, what did he see? What did he see that he would include this? So what I want to do, I wanted to do kind of... um, I know Antichrist came up primarily in Alma, but you notice that Jacob, we had that Jacob. I want to move kind of looking at the Book of Mormon. What did Mormon see in our day? I want to look. We did a little Jacob where we started the Antichrist. I want to look at the Book of Mosiah today. Now, I am a pattern hunter. That's how I study the scriptures. I notice patterns. And when I see significant patterns, it's like the Lord is yelling, this is important. Allow me, I have been a seminary institute teacher for 30 years. I've had a front row seat watching your lives, your age group. And I have seen some significant patterns, especially in the book of Mosiah. So let's do that tonight. I actually want to start in the New Testament. So what does it mean if something significant comes up in the New Testament, in the Doctrine and Covenants, and in the Book of Mormon? If there is a prominent theme in New Testament, Doctrine and Covenants, and Book of Mormon, isn't that the Lord kind of waving his arms? Okay, so let me start in Matthew chapter 13, where Matthew puts all of the Savior's parables kind of together. Now, you know the first parable. The first parable is the sower and the seed. And that's basically Alma 32, planting the seed. But what happens after 13? After chapter 13, verse 24, he puts forth another king. Oh, we lost the 
he puts forth another parable. He likens the kingdom of heaven to wheat and tares. You all know the parable, right? The parable of the wheat and the tares. Can I ask, what's the point? Do you ever notice that? There's no point. What's the point? I mean, he says, kingdom of heaven like a man who sowed good seed, but while men slept, notice I've boxed that, his enemy came and sowed tares among them, and the blade sprung up, and when the, blood, when the wheat and the tares were growing together, they wanted to pull the tares out, and they said, don't, lest you destroy the wheat, wait till the harvest, and then you can separate them. Okay, what's the point? What's the point? Now, clearly, you know where I'm going, but this parable doesn't make a point. Wheat, tares, growing together until the harvest. Jesus didn't make a point here, and that's odd, because he always made a point. This parable doesn't really have a point. So that piques my curiosity. So I start looking for the point of the wheat and the tares. Now turn with me to section 86 and tell me if any other parable gets real estate in the Doctrine and Covenants. Is there any other parable that gets talked about in the Doctrine and Covenants? The answer is no. Does the Doctrine and Covenants have a whole section on the parable of the sower? No. Parable, no other parable. So all of a sudden, that's getting my attention. So Jesus gives an entire section in the Doctrine and Covenants to the parable of the wheat and the tares. Now, what does he add? It's almost as if he couldn't say this to the Jews, and now in our day he can. So what's the point of section 86? He says, verily, Seth, let me talk to you about the parable of the wheat and tares. The field was the world. The apostles were the sowers. And after they, the apostles, have fallen asleep. The great persecutor of the church, the apostate, the whore, even Babylon, that maketh everyone drink from the enemy, sowed the tares. And now behold, in the last days. What was the sleeping period? When the apostles went to sleep was what period? So when does the growing of the wheat and tares, where do we place that then? So this is a commentary on our day. Now, no wonder he couldn't give the Jews the point, right? Because it wasn't for them. But why would he tell them a parable that has to do with our day if he's not waving his arm saying, are you guys in the latter days paying attention? During the apostasy, the, the apostles sowed the seed. And then during the apostasy, the enemy came and sowed tares. So in the latter days, they're growing together. This is a commentary on you and your life and what life is like in the latter days. So what's the problem with the tares? 
Let me save you the trouble. Let's just jump right to the Bible dictionary. I think I pulled this up, so I've got it quickly here. Hold on, where'd I put it? Bible dictionary. Oh, I had it marked. Nope, that's sacrifice. Sorry. I had this all marked. Sorry. All right, tears. Here we go. What's the problem with the tears? There's two problems. What's the problem with the tares? Okay, it's poisonous weed. And number two, it looks like wheat. Tares are poisonous and look like wheat. Now, put this all together. What is Jesus saying? One of the challenges of your day is you can't tell the difference between poison and good stuff. It's going to be so sophisticated in the latter days that you can't sometimes tell the difference between poison and wholesome people, which means you're gonna make some mistakes. Now, as I calculate this, I figure there's four possibilities. Two of them are harmless. Two of them are good. And sometimes you're going to do, you're going to judge correctly. Now, the two positive ones is I look at you and I see wheat. I see friend. I see positive. I see beneficial. Going to bless my soul. And so I let you into my, look at Ashley. That is weed if I've ever seen it. And I would, I would let her into my life anytime because she looks like wheat. And it, I, I have enough experience to know that what she really turned out to be is wheat. I got it right. I judged correctly. Now, the other positive is I look at something or someone and say, that's poison. I'm not letting that into my life. I'm poison. That's poison. I'm not fooled. I can see that you look appetizing, but I'm not fooled. You're a poison. And what it turned out to be was poison. I got it right. I remember vividly when I was 13 years old, we went camping and I was out wandering and I found a full pack of cigarettes. Now, part of me was a little intrigued. The rest of me said, that's poison. And I don't want to have anything to do with that. And I crushed him up. And I have lived long enough to know I avoided a poison. I judged correctly and kept it out of my life. Now, if I hear what Jesus is saying, there's some concerns. The problem is, what if I see wheat and it's really tear? I think we've all done it. I have. Have you? I let tear into my life, disguised as wheat, and it poisoned me. I got it wrong, and it poisoned me. The other one is I see tear, and what it really was was wheat. 
Now, tell me the positioning of all of these parables. Isn't Jesus saying, oh, you want to talk about the latter days? You want to know what my biggest concern is? There they are. You want to be a young single adult in the latter days? There's my concern. And you're going to let poison in. Fool. Poison is going to fool you and you're going to let it in and be poisoned. And what's this one? What's really happening here? So this is letting in poison that burns me. And what's this one? Keeping out something that would have blessed me. Now, ready? Where is this in the Book of Mormon? If what I'm seeing is correct, if this is a major story, if this is a major commentary on the Book of Mormon, this should hold a very prominent position in the Book of Mormon. This is Noah. And this is Abinadi. Now tell me what that story is doing in the Book of Mormon. If it's not Heavenly Father saying, the biggest challenge you're going to face in the latter days is being fooled by Noah. Letting him in. And rejecting Abinadi. Do you see the pattern? Do you see the parallel? It's all over the place. It's Jesus waving his arm saying, I'm worried that you're going to be fooled. So let me give you some helps. So let's turn to the story of Noah, King Noah, and watch them be blinded. And see if you can now see it with a new set of eyes. If this is Mormon saying, oh my goodness, this is what everyone in the latter days is going to struggle with. They're going to struggle with this blindness. I'm going to call it Noah blindness. Noah blindness is when you look at Noah and see friend. And you look at Abinadi and see enemy. And you follow this one and burn this one. Only to discover in the end that what is this one? He's a terror. Now, let's, let's do the story. Ready? Turn with me to Mosiah chapter 13. Mosiah chapter 13. Let me do this version because I've got it all colored up and ready. Sorry, not, not 13. Mosiah 11. Sorry. Mosiah 11. Mosiah 11. Now, let me remind you, this is, remember how Zenith broke away from the Zarahemla and came down to live among the Lamanites? Zenith's son was King Noah. So this is a small little group of Nephites. This is not Zarahemla. This is a small little group of Nephites living among the Lamanites. So, Tell me what kind of person Noah is. What's he doing in verse 2? Now, where is he getting these women? This is a small group of Nephites. They are not Lamanite women. Where is he getting these women? They are our sisters and our mothers and our daughters. The king is taking our women as his wives. And what are we doing? Yay! He's my friend. Love you, Noah. They had Noah slogans and little Noah badges and Noah bumper stickers. How is that my friend? He is not my friend. Verse 3, tell me what he does. He taxes them. 
heavily. Now, I'm okay paying a heavy tax if I get some nice benefits out of it. Give me a really good park and a really good defense system and clean my air and I want straight roads and I want lights that are computerized so that when I pull up and no one else is there, I can go. Come on, I'll pay taxes for that. Why are they paying taxes? Verse 6, why are they paying taxes? How is this my friend? In what world is that my friend? He's taking our women. He's taxing us to support himself in his, la in his laziness. And I think he's my friend. In what world is this man my friend? Um, he builds these elegant buildings. Look at verse 14. He placed his heart upon riches and spent his time in riotous living with his wives and his concubines. And I'm paying for it. And I think he's my friend. Do you see how stupid this is? And yet every one of us loves someone who is fooled by a Noah. Whether it's a drug, a philosophy, a person, a cause, every one of us have someone we love that is fooled by one of these people. Verse 15, he's a drunk. Now, let's see if we can figure out why maybe they're fooled. Why is it so obvious to me that he's enemy? Is, in what world is this man friend, right? Well, maybe let's see. Let's go back to verse 2. Why might the blinders come on and they see him as friend? He, he did cause his people to sin. It's okay to sin. I will encourage it. Ooh, interesting. Okay, how about this one, verse 7. Why do the blinders go on in verse 7? Now, no judgment of ourselves. I've done it. Man, I've done it. And it makes me so angry that I've done it. How many of you let a new Noah into your life because they flattered their way in and then poisoned you? How many of you know someone who married a Noah because they flattered their way in and then poisoned? Verse 12, here's a common one. He built a tower, meaning what? He made them feel safe. How many of you have been fooled by a Noah because he made you feel safe? You see the problem? Now, to me, it's so obvious this is not their friend. This is not their friend. But the last verse of chapter 11, what does it say? The eyes of the people were blinded. That is called, that's what I call Noah blindness. Noah blindness is when you can't see that it's an enemy in front of you. 
and you're fooled. And you let them into your life. Now, in chapter, in, uh, earlier in chapter 11, along comes Abinadi. And what does Abinadi say? Tell me what Abinadi says. Stop this. Repent. Fix your lives. Straighten up. And what do they say? I don't like that. I don't want to hear that. You're not my friend. You're not saying nice things to me. My friends say nice things to me, and you're saying mean things to me, so you're not my friend. How many Abinadi's in your life have been bold enough to say, fix your life, and you wake up and say, I don't like you. Mom, dad, bishop, older brother, I don't like what you're telling me. You're my enemy. Chapter 12, Abinadi gets very specific. Now, he gets very graphic. If you don't repent, some really bad things are going to happen. Dogs will eat you. Now, do all those things happen? Yes. Every one of them. They had no better friend than Abinadi whose only job was to prevent their pain. And through their blinders, they said, you're not my friend. I don't like you. Go away. Watch them. Ready? Verse 9. It came to pass that they, the people, the people Abinadi came to save, were angry with him and took him and carried him bound before the king. They bound Abinadi and took him to the king. And what are they going to say to the king? This just irks me because every time I've ever met a Noah blind person, they all use the J word. Noah blind people use the J word. What do they say? O king, what great evil hast thou done? What great sins have thy people committed that we should be judged? Oh, I hear that all the time. You're judging me. Stop judging me, mom. You don't understand him. You don't know him like I do. You're judging. And the people take Abinadi to the king. And Abinadi is put to death. Now, can I catch you to the, let me tell you how the story always ends. Whether it's a drug, a person, a philosophy, a cause, let me tell you how it always ends every single time. Let me show you the ending. Ready? Go to chapter 19. Gideon finally wakes up and realizes who Noah is. He is not friend. He is going to destroy this people. So Gideon comes after him to destroy him. I'm going to destroy the terror in this city. And it's you, Noah. So they're fighting and they get up onto the tower and Noah sees the Lamanites coming. And he says, Gideon, spare me. Spare me 
for the Lamanites are upon us and they will destroy us and they will destroy my people. I need someone to read verse 8. I need someone to read verse 8. Who wants to read verse 8? Jorge, verse 8. Now the king was not so much concerned about his people as he was about his own life. Read that again. And now the king was not so much concerned about his people as he was concerned. One more time. And now the king was not so much concerned about his people as he was about his own life. He is not your friend. He is not. But they were blind. And I have watched so many people I love, so many people I love, blinded by a Noah who was not concerned about them. He is not your friend. So tell me what the friend says. Tell me what the, what does the king say? Verse nine, tell me what the king says. Run, run. And I'm blinded. I've burned Abinadi, my real friend, who really could save me. And I'm turning to Noah and I'm saying, Where do, what do I go? What do I do? And he says, run. Okay? Let me show you the Dunford family running. See if I've got a photo here. Uh, look at that. That's my granddaughter. Okay, let me see if I can find... Uh, all my lesson pictures. Where's the family? Okay, here we go. Here's a Dunford family. Okay, this is my crew. And we're going to run from the Lamanites. Now, there's a lot of little kids here who can't outrun the Lamanites. So the big kids are going to hold them. This is my youngest, okay? Grandson, son. So McKay, you hold your son. I'll hold Owen. That's mine. Keegan's one of mine. Okay, I've got a son. I've got a pretty big son. He can carry Keegan. Corbin is not going, Corbin's not going to outrun the Lamanites. I don't know who's going to carry him. Logan's not going to outrun the Lamanites. I don't know who's going to carry him. I've got a 19-year-old daughter who's not going to outrun the Lamanites. I can't carry them. So I look to my friend. I look to my friend and say, what do I do? The Lamanites are catching me. What do I do? And tell me what my friend tells me to do. Leave them. And because I'm blinded, and because I see him as friend and not foe, what do I do? I leave them. I put down my son. I let go of my wife's hand. Now, will the Lamanite army outrun me? No. Because where will they stop? They will stop at my 19-year-old daughter. And I got away. And here I am in a clearing. Oh, 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 oh. I got got away. Yeah. And then all of a sudden what happens? What have I done? I'm going back. I'm going back. Sorry. 
they had sworn in their hearts that they would return. I'm going back. And now who steps up and says, no, you're not. Who steps up and says, no, you're not. You're not going back. Who steps up? Noah. And for the first time ever, what happens? For the first time, what happens? They see him clearly. And what do they realize in that clearing? He was never my friend. And what do they do to him? What do you do with enemies? What do you do with terrors? You burn them. Okay, so let's burn Abinadab. Let's burn Noah. We finally figured out he's not my friend. Okay, now we need someone to help us. We need a leader. Oh, I know. We need a prophet. Burned him. I need my family. Burn them. One of the cruelest things I ever see is Satan waits till you've destroyed all these relationships and then finally takes the blinders off. When you have finally ruined your life, he takes the blinders off. Now tell me why it got so quiet. Because everyone in this room is thinking of someone you love, aren't you? This is very real. Do you see Noah or Moroni wrote, Mormon saw our day. He knew exactly what we would face. Here's the great dilemma of our day. Fooled by someone who is not your friend. And you let them into their life, you, your life, and they poison you. Fooled into thinking someone who is your friend is an enemy and you burn them. I could tell story after story. Let me just tell one. From when I taught years ago, I won't even use some of the names. Okay, I taught, I taught this incredible young lady, quiet, shy, never really got noticed, didn't date a lot. Along came a Noah and flattered her. All her real friends started to say, what are you doing? Why are you with him? You know what kind of person he is. Why are you with him? And what did she say? What was the J word? I saw it. What did she say? You're judging him. You don't know him. She burned friend after friend after friend. Her parents, she burned them. I watched it. I was her seminary. She burned me. Anyone know how the story ends? Pregnant before graduation. And as soon as she's pregnant, what happens to Noah? He's gone. Now, what is she left with? So many times, Satan waits till the very end and pulls the blinders off. Now, luckily, she had an incredible friends and incredible family who, even though she had burned them, welcomed her back. But how many people don't? I taught this lesson once in, in high school, 
And I had a sophomore who has just come out of rehab, a sophomore who just came out of rehab. And I was really nervous <laughs> about teaching Noah blindness to him. And he was quiet the whole time. And then at the end, he just said, I've got to say something. And he said, my mom sent me to rehab. I was so angry at her. I hated my mom. I hated my mom. And now, and he started to weep. Now I realize I don't have a better friend in the world than my mom. But he saw her as tear. And he saw something else as wheat. Now, do you see what the Book of Mormon's doing? Now, here's the brilliance. Ready? Here's the brilliance of the book. Chronologically speaking, who comes first? King Noah, King Benjamin. King Noah comes first by many years. You go check the dates. But how does the Book of Mormon present those two? Benjamin first. Why? You want to see why I think it is? Here's the book of Mosiah. And where does the Lord put Noah? In right in the middle. So here's Mosiah. Ready? Here's the book of Mosiah. He puts Noah and Abinadi right in the middle. He puts Benjamin here. Why would Benjamin come before Noah? Because Benjamin's message is how to prevent Noah blindness. There's the prevention. Where's the cure? Now, who's here? Alma. One that was blind was cured and now teaches us how to heal. That is the structure of the book of Mosiah. Brilliant. How to prevent Noah blindness. There it is, as clear as day. How do you prevent Noah blindness? King Benjamin's address. King Benjamin's message is the prevention. If we follow King Benjamin, I will never be fooled into thinking Abinadi is my enemy and Noah is my friend. The answer to the problem of our day is to prevent it. And there it is. Does King Benjamin talk about Jesus? Yes. Very different Jesus than um, Abinadi talks about. Very different Jesus than Alma talks about because the purpose is different. This purpose is prevention. Now, what's his message? And get the blinders off. And how do you get the blinders off? And he's pretty harsh, isn't he? And sometimes blinded people need Abinadi. They need the harshness of Abinadi. And yet, does Abinadi talk about Jesus? Very different Jesus that Abinadi talks about. The Jesus for sinners. The Jesus that will help you find who your friends are.
Now, did Abinadi's teachings work? With one of them, right? Did Abinadi's teachings cause the blinders to come off of someone? Now, is he going to pay a dear price for having been Noah blind? He will. I think, remember how Amulon, one of the other priests, kind of finds him and beats him up, puts the Lamanites in. I just wonder if Alma was just saying, see, you get Noah blind, you're going to pay for Noah blindness. I, I know so many people who spent their youth way out of the church and they were fooled by a Noah. I know this girl who was fooled by a Noah repented and then found an amazing young man and they were going to get married in the temple and she decided to tell him about Noah and she did and he bailed he bailed and she just wept how many more times am I going to have to pay for my mistakes? Well, who is the prophet that she needs? Alma. Alma has a message for her. Because Alma did that. Alma lived that. And saw it come back again and again and again to bite him. And yet Alma becomes an amazing person, doesn't he? Now, do you see how brilliantly the, lay, the Book of Mormon is laid out? And do you see that Mormons saw our day and knew exactly the challenge we would face? I have been fooled by a Noah. I let a Noah into my life. And they burned me. And I have rejected an Abinadi. And I starved myself because I lost the nutrition that the Abinadites would have brought me. I testify to you that the Book of Mormon will help you identify the Noahs and the Abinadites. The Book of Mormon is so written to help prevent, cure, and heal. Oh, how I love the Book of Mosiah. How do you prevent, how do you cure, and how do you heal? Laid out in front of us. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for joining us for Teachings and Doctrines of the Book of Mormon podcast class. This has been class number six, Avoiding Noah Blindness. As you ponder the teachings of this week's class, as the teachings of the book of Mosiah, the story of King Benjamin and King Noah, would you ponder how we might avoid Noah blindness? What are the insights you have gained that will help us avoid, heal, and be cured from Noah blindness? Would you consider having a discussion with the people you love or with our class, or with me personally, about the impact that Noah blindness has had on the lives of people that you love. How might we help others and ourselves 
lift those blinders off and see more clearly the difference between friend and foe.